The Forum on Workplace Inclusion's 2021 podcast series is sponsored by Best Buy. More diversity in tech means more ideas that can change the world. Learn more at bestbuy.com slash more of this. Did you miss the opportunity to join us live at the 2021 Forum Annual Conference? Or maybe you're hearing about the U.S.'s largest workplace DEI conference for the first time. Well, for the first time ever, we're offering our complete 33rd annual conference, Workplace Revolution On Demand. The On Demand package includes access to our workshops, book readings, half-day featured sessions, art and wellness workshops, our Marketplace of Ideas Exhibitor Showcase, half-day higher education industry session, 16 trend talks, and five general sessions. That's the Forum 2021 Annual Conference On Demand. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org to get access today. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org slash donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello and happy Pride Month. Thank you for tuning into the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast series brought to you by Best Buy. I'm Ben Ruru, Program Associate here at the Forum. We're really looking forward to today's podcast, Pride, Pronouns, and Privilege, How Intersectionality Informs Our Allyship Journey, with Jennifer Brown of Jennifer Brown Consulting, Sean Coleman of Destination Tomorrow, and Ray Arada of the Better Man Conference. We can expand our potential for connection and belonging despite the stress of uncertainty and iniquity by listening to and learning from people who aren't often seated at the same table. This fireside chat will highlight various shared and disparate life experiences in a way that acknowledges the reality that we can be both underrepresented and underestimated, while also carrying privilege that can be leveraged for positive impact. In this chat, Jennifer, Sean, and Ray will examine the complexities of marginalization, intersectionality, masculinity, and power through the lens of allyship. In this podcast, you will get an expanded focus on the intersection of masculinity, race, and gender, an experience of learning, listening, and lifting lesbian, trans, slash, queer, non-binary voices, and will be provided an example of what an ally conversation can look and sound like. Jennifer Brown is an award-winning entrepreneur, dynamic speaker, and diversity and inclusion expert. She is the founder and CEO of Jennifer Brown Consulting, a strategic leadership and diversity consulting firm that coaches business leaders worldwide on critical issues of talent and workplace strategy. Brown is a passionate advocate for social equality who helps businesses foster healthier, more productive workplace cultures. Her book, Inclusion, Diversity, the New Workplace, and the Will to Change, will inspire leadership to embrace the opportunity diversity represents and empower advocates to drive change that resonates in today's world. Jennifer's second book, How to Be an Inclusive Leader, is a shortlist OWL Award and Nautilus Book Award winner in business categories and provides a step-by-step guide for personal for the personal and emotional journey we must undertake to create an inclusive workplace where everyone can be can thrive. 
Sean Coleman is the founder and executive director at Destination Tomorrow, overseeing the LGBTQ Community Center in the South Bronx. Mr. Coleman is also the managing partner of Sean Ebony Coleman Consulting, a firm specializing in working to increase DEI strategies for LGBTQ communities and consults for the Transgender Strategy Center, a collaboration of transgender-led consultants. Ray Arada is the founder of the Better Man Conference, a one-day event with resources, support, and community to engage men as allies in creating an inclusive culture. Ray's personal mission involves going into the corporate world and getting male executives to stand up and stand strong when it comes to including and advancing women. Ray brings his 22 years of healthy masculinity work with men on how to live and lead from the heart to the very relevant topic of enlisting the engagement of men to support and become integral to the strategies of DEI. Ray is committed to the transformation of the gender perspective from which organizations engage with all stakeholder groups, customers, employees, investors, partners, and global community. In addition to his coaching and training practice, Ray is a keynote speaker and is the author of Wake Up, Man Up, Step Up, and is very excited about his upcoming book, Showing Up, How Men Can Become Effective Allies in the Workplace, due out in January 2022. Without further ado, I'd like to hand things over to Jennifer, Sean, and Ray. Hi, everybody. This is Jennifer Brown, and I am delighted to have this conversation today with my colleagues and, and dear friends, Sean Coleman and Ray Arada, and you know the title of our session is Pride, Pronouns, and Privilege. And we, besides loving the alliteration of that, um, there are deep, deep and meaningful words for all of us. Uh, the three of us have presented on these topics before and had these really soul-searching and beautiful and vulnerable conversations about um, our own intersections, um, our own experience of the world uh, seen through our various identities. And I think that's what makes this conversation so unique is that we are going to endeavor to, you know, role model the ways that we show up for each other in all of our identities, the ways that we are in solidarity with each other, the ways that we can express, um, you know, the fact that we are on our journey and learning together um, on our own journeys and, and talking about not always getting things perfect because perfection is not the goal and it's not even really possible, but being okay and almost expecting the imperfection and talking about and being open about the imperfection as we learn about DEI subjects like the ones we're going to talk about today. So um, I also wanna say that um, Ray and Sean and I know each other deeply from the Better Man Conference. So for those of you that don't aren't involved with the Better Man Conference, please check out our the website and Ray can tell us uh, where to go specifically. But um, some of the themes we're going to talk about today are ones that that come up in that conference and and the conference provides space to really stretch out into these because they're complex and deep and we need space to metabolize metabolize our learnings and also be in community and experience this together. So I'm just really really honored to have you all, Ray and Sean. And I guess, I'll, Sean, I'll start with you if you'd like to introduce yourself to the to the audience, um, however you'd like to uh, share your diversity story, contextualize your background, how you identify, um, and, and how you would like us to kind of start off uh, what, we, what we would like to, us to keep in mind. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for that 
nice introduction and for having me today. Uh, I'm Sean Coleman. I am the founder and executive director at Destination Tomorrow. Um, we are a direct service organization that caters towards LGBT community members in the Bronx and um, um, citywide in New York City. Um, I'm also a consultant that deals with DEI issues for companies and corporations, organizations that want to better engage members of the trans and gender nonconforming community. And lastly, I'm the contract manager for the Gilead Community Impact Fund. And what we do is on a national lens, we look for grassroots, trans and gender nonconforming, black and brown uh, run agencies or grassroots organizations to support and to fund. And so far we've given out about $300,000 and we have another $300,000 to go. Um, uh, I identify as a husband, a father, uh, a son, a brother, sometimes a pain in the neck. Um, I'm still, I'm still on, on my journey of learning uh, and identifying what masculinity means to me. I, uh, I am a trans male. Um, and for those that, that don't understand what that is, that simply means I was assigned female at birth and I have a beautiful journey and to my malehood and my maleness. And I, I'd love to share, and I'm here to share, what that actually looks like. Um, what I would like to um, get us started with is making sure everyone understands that in order to come into a space and acknowledge all of the, the, the layers and complexities of who I am, it has to be a safe space, right? So I, I want just to make sure folks understand that if you're ever gonna replicate a discussion like this, you have to first make sure you're uh, taking the necessary steps to ensure you have a safe space for folks to be vulnerable enough to share uh, exactly what pride, pronouns, and privilege means to them. Mm. Thank you, Sean. That's beautiful. And thank you for the, the call to action for us to, to respect the safe space, the brave space, and to set the container yeah. uh, carefully because um, this, this, is a, this is raw, but it's so personal, so deep yeah. in us. Um, yeah, thank you, Sean. And I know we're going to talk about what, take that apart and kind of talk about what does that mean in practice as we go yes. together. So thank you for that. So Ray, tell us about you and, and whatever you'd like to share. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, hi, everybody. Um, what would be valuable for all of you to hear? I always get asked this question. Um, so first and foremost, I think it would be uh, helpful to share that what's behind the man that founded the Better Man Conference uh, in 2016, uh, nine conferences ago. Uh, and co-founder of the Better Man Movement, the org that I'm uh, a partner at that supports organizations and men to be allies and inclusive leaders. Behind that um, is the fact that for the better part of 20 years, and I've lost count, I know it's more than 10,000 and less than 15,000 hours of working with men on how to live and lead from the heart uh, to make that journey uh, of wokeness so that they could become allies and leaders because after all men are the uh, overrepresented and under leveraged underutilized majority whose time has come we need not look past all the world events to to speak the obvious but i just want to share that 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 the work we do and the work i do is all about heart and it's about humanness and 
the term I started using several years ago was healthy masculinity as opposed to unhealthy masculinity. So I invite uh, the listeners to consider healthy masculinity as a cornerstone of inclusive leadership and what it means to be an ally. And it's different for everybody. And I've had wonderful opportunities with Jennifer and uh, Sean to explore what these concepts mean as it pertains to intersectionality. And we're gonna, we're gonna take a look at that today. And so if, if I was to answer the question, you know, what is it that I want all of you to know about the men is that there's far more men out there than you realize that wanna be part of the solution. And it's a function of meeting them where they're at and without shame or blame and encouraging, inviting, sometimes challenging, them to come come along and get off the sidelines. I'll stop there. Thanks, Ray. Also a good call, good call to action for all of us not to let our biases about what men are capable of uh, to rule our behaviors and our attitudes towards change, you know, and that's is precisely why that my time in the community of Better Man is so transformational for me, because I get to see the exact behaviors that I've always craved uh, being demonstrated. You know, the, the learning journey happening in real time in front of me is just incredible. I forgot one thing since this is a podcast, I identify as a cisgendered white heterosexual male with lots of privileges. I'm, if you were looking at the video, you would only see me sitting down, but I even have tall guy privilege. I'm six, three and a half. <laughs> So got to get that out there. <laughs> yeah, I had to say that. Yeah. And Sean, I'll, you know, you, you probably have something uh, and white identified as well. Um, short, short lack of privilege. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but but mighty, small, but mighty. Um, and, you know, fighting the fight every day. Uh, and so my pronouns are she, her, hers. And um, I find as a cisgender voice, it's I'm so it, I'm so passionate about bringing that conversation to every stage and every conversation I'm a part of and making sure I disclose as much a, about me as I can and role model the disclosing of that and and you know falling on my sword when I need to to say I didn't say that well or I forgot to bring that up and I should have and and learning in public uh, and I think role modeling that piece of um, to be vulnerable to that because it's so much. It, it, it is so difficult, especially these days with how polarized we are to, we, we feel we don't have room to learn. Um, and I know that the three of us are so passionate about, about keeping that door open for the learning and protecting yeah. that space for learning. So Sean, um, you know, uh, you can riff on that. And, and I'm really curious, you said something about your journey of masculinity. Yeah. You know, I just wondered, you know, why do we, we're having a conversation about healthy masculinity because it hasn't been so healthy. Right. And for me, and let me just go back to how I identify, because I gave you a, a glimpse of it, right? So if we're going to do the entire thing, I identify he, him, his pronouns. Um, while I'm trans male or trans masculine, I also identify as straight. Right. And some folks can conflate that gender and, and sexual orientation. So I always have to say that part, that portion as well. And I'm happily married um, for the last seven years. Um, my journey to masculinity was was um, was and is still incredibly challenging. Right. Because society has told me what masculinity looks like and how it performs. 
So at times, um, a lot of the things that I did was performative to keep in touch with what, or keep in step with what society told me um, uh, a black male should should be and how she how he should act, right? Um, and it's taken me a, a while to to kind of recognize that I have the luxury, the unique luxury of becoming a man by my own design. And all that means is, is um, acknowledging who I am and all of the complexities that come with me and not um, not allowing other people to to have it up for debate whether those things equal masculinity right well if 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 i become too emotional it's like well men men aren't emotional men don't cry and it's like well maybe yours doesn't but this one does right and making sure that i can come into a room and be comfortable enough to like really really uh, articulate that i'll tell you a story uh, i run my own organization and in the very beginning you know i was i was socialized as female so I, I, you know, you have that that you, you don't want to speak too loud because you don't want to come off too aggressive, and you have this really, really a passive, if you will, um, um, behaviors. Uh, so in the very beginning, when I started my journey and started working as an executive, uh, some of those behaviors crept in. And I don't know if it was because I was intimidated in those spaces or because it, I was doing what initially I was taught to do. So it, it, it's taken me a while just to unpack those things, right? To I can speak up and be uh, um, assertive without being aggressive because I had gotten to a point that I allowed aggression to be to be that defining masculinity, because I thought if I were if I if I didn't really 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 assert myself, they wouldn't see me as a man, or, or they would they would um, discount what I'm telling them I am or who I am. So it's taken a while to kind of like really really um, kind of unpack uh, or unlearn those behaviors. Uh, there are still times that I'm uh, I'm a bit standoffish or, or 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 a bit passive, right? And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And it's taken me a while to be comfortable with that. So I, I mean, that's that's just some of of who I am. I'll, I'll stop it there and give others an opportunity to speak on it. I love that you're being a way like inclusive of all the parts of you. You know, yeah. um, honoring of of a more balanced humanness in you. And I know, um, gosh, I feel like we all have stories about. The performance of gender that we do in our, particularly in our earlier days, before we we discovered this kind of conversation and um, the conformity of it, the narrowness of it, the inauthentic inauthenticity of it, um, and the masking of how we really would be most comfortable expressing ourselves, which is a little most of us a little of this, a little of that, mm -hmm. um, taking the most the best and the most effective and the most true for us. Um, and blending all of that together. And, and wouldn't that be incredible if we could walk that path? And, and Sean, you had to, right? Because, yeah. you know, you, you, you have lived and made these choices and they've elicited probably a lot of like big reactions in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and you've had to grapple with, so what do I keep and what do I jettison and, yeah. and, 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 what do I show people? Um, and, and, and then how are their gender norms and expectations triggered by my authenticity? Um, and so just having these feet in multiple worlds is, is um, I think, leads to this deep emotional intelligence, personally, um, of, of, of being able to kind of see, to inhabit this middle space. And, yeah. and Ray, you inhabit a space outside of, you were just saying earlier, outside of, I think, what's expected of men that look like you when you walk in the room, right? You, you, you stepped apart from what was expected and what is expected and, and have 
interestingly, a kind of outsider <laughs> experience too. Um, so tell us about breaking out of that, what we, what we refer to as the man box in your work and in your life and, 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 and how do you experience that and, and the, the incorporation of all of who you are um, into how you show up in the world? So um, as I was listening to you, Sean, I was like, wow, um, I started to remember, you know, my journey as a young man, like way back in high school. I'm the prototypical white, you know, jock, uh, knew everybody uh, at school. And Jennifer, you taught me about covering and I didn't realize it, but at a very young point, I was, a, was and am a very emotional man. I didn't realize that it was my inner feminine wanting to, to come out and be given permission, but I didn't have anybody model what that could look like. So I learned to cover. So instead of joining theater, because I was going to get the, the wrath and judgment of my jock friends, I was an usher. And, and so as I went through life, uh, I had a, a wake up call that through some feedback from my then wife and mother of my three kids and, uh, my boss at work, I got to see how my behavior was impacting other people. Mm -hmm. And so when I ended up doing an, an initiation into healthy manhood of men's weekend put on by the mankind project, I really got a chance to begin my process of, of waking up. And it was then from then until now that I've had to routinely be at choice about how am I going to show up with these mm -hmm. men and with women, because with the men, I would get the looks and the judgments and the crop. What are you talking about? Or Ray, we don't want to talk about that. And with the women, I, until they heard me start talking, the projections of me being like the rest of them. So I've had to kind of swim my way through and continue to just be in my heart, speak my truth and learn what it means to, to be an ally to people that don't look like me. And so uh, there's been a lot of isolation, um, uh, some reward, a lot of work, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Would not have it any other way. Now, I'm not sure if that's answering your question, but that's kind of like what came up for me um, when I was listening to Sean. Everyone, mm -hmm. we all have our different journey, right? We do, we do. And, and the risks we take in breaking out of the conformity um, you, but we, but we've talked about risk. I mean, Sean, what is the equivalent of the risk that you feel in your authenticity? And I guess like, how does that, how do you experience that? Because we, um, we carry around our identity. We have to deal with the microaggressions, the stereotypes, the, the, the double and triple standards, you know? Um, and I think we're all, um, we're, we're aware of that, Ray, you walking through the world is different than me walking through the world, which is different than Sean walking through the world. So, so tell us what feels risky, Sean, to you. And I know you've, you've taken a lot of risk in your life to live your truth. So what is that like today for you? Well, when you ask what is um, risky, it's like, what is not risky, right? For me yeah. right now, being a black man in America, who also happens to be trans-identified. So on some days, just showing up is risky, right? Knowing what message I have once I get there. Um, 
I'll give you an example of, of how I, I, I've, I've taken some risks. Uh, oftentimes when I do my trainings, because I'm, I'm a trainer as well, so I, I wear a lot of hats while I just didn't realize it. Uh, oftentimes when I, when I do my trainings, I don't identify uh, as being trans, right? Because my um, workshops are centered around gender and sexual orientation. And we um, sometimes get in these discussions around how those two, how folks conflate those two and automatically assume that um, if, if you're trans, you're, you're, you're gay identified or, and those kinds of things. So I normally don't identify as being transgender when I um, do the presentations. And we have the most robust conversations until the end and about 30 minutes before the discussion is over, I disclose. Now, some folks will say, why, why would you wait until the end? Because I think I get the, the true authentic folk show up when they don't know that they are actually speaking to someone who identifies as transgender. And then I, I leave enough time to ask questions. And my grandma used to tell me there's no such thing as a stupid question, right? So you can pretty much ask me anything. I have the toughest skin ever. You can ask me anything. And I make sure that they understand that just as I ask them to provide safe spaces, I'm providing a safe space to ask the dumbest question you could possibly ask. Do it here so you don't go out there and, 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 uh, and uh, offend or embarrass yourself. And we have incredible conversations. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. I had one experience where afterwards, uh, another black male who I felt we had, you know, this camaraderie during the workshop didn't want to continue after I had disclosed. And he actually, he actually wanted to leave and we allowed him to leave. Um, I think be, um, I didn't take it personal. I know that uh, the message I have is not for everybody. Some folks are going to take it and others will reject it. And even in there rejecting it, there's going to be little nuggets for those folks that are willing to take it, right? So in him leaving, then it allowed me to say, you know, what did it bring up for him? Why is this topic so triggering for folks, especially males? And we, again, had a, a, a 30 minute discussion, but a discussion that allowed folks to walk out of that space uh, somewhat understanding what it means or how it feels to be trans identified, right? And it also gave them the opportunity to say that they actually knew a transgender person because folks will say, I've never met one before. And then you know, I can leave and say, well, you met one now. So it, 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 it turned out to be a, a really, really um, great experience with him walking out because it allowed us in a space to like really, really unpack, like why is it so triggering? It, it, even though that was the topic that we were discussing um, gender and sexual orientation. Mm, what an unforgettable experience. Yes, Ray. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I listened to your question about risk and, um, and what I wanna say, first of all, to both you and Sean, is that I as a white cisgendered uh, male, uh, the risk that I can do and will continue to take comes with it a responsibility. And most importantly, what I'm gonna call a minimal, um, a minimal risk to harm. And so earlier, and I was talking to the two of you earlier, and we talked about discernment, you know, who's the group that you're talking to and what are you gonna to choose to say? 
I imagine for the two of you and a lot of our listeners, psychological safety and physical safety is huge. And so when I go into a room, especially with all men, I've learned that part of my job of being on the planet is to go first, which means to take a risk, which means to be vulnerable, which means to be the example. Why? Because if I do, they can. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote down three words on my, on my little notes here. And I wrote down white male fragility. Mm-hmm. Most of us, and I assume most of the listeners know Robin DeAngelo's book on white fragility. And what m- many people may not think about is male fragility or white male fragility. And my message to the listeners, especially the men, is your emotional experiences are valid. Your fragility is real and it's incumbent upon you with the support of other people that look like you to breathe into that fear, that fear of being judged and what you think might happen and to keep going because we will ne- we as white male identifying will never know what it's like to be in harm's way just by virtue of how we present. And for Sean, for you to be able to share that you're, I, I just want to acknowledge you brother, how much risk you're taking every single time. It's, it's fuel to me. Like what? You're not going to like me, whatever. (laughs) You know, you might not be my friend anymore, whatever. You're going to leave. Okay. That says more about you than it does me. You know, I'm tempted to say man up, but in a positive way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll I'll leave that. So I just, I wanted to just uh, put that in there because I I think it's important. Oh, that fragility piece. Um, Sean, you know, I, I I wonder how you perceive, it's funny because Ray, I thought you were going to be very judgmental about the fragility, right? Um, the message of, you know, don't be fragile, meaning don't make this all about me, right? This is, this is a learning opportunity and it's not about my emotional response or my discomfort, right? This is how we talk about fragility is like, don't be this. <laughs> but I, but what you also talk about and have taught me so much about is the inner life, the emotional life of men that has not been able to breathe. And we talked a lot about between the three of us, the humanity that we need to extend in inclusion work to all people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and yet the short supply of that, when we, when it comes to kind of pointing at certain people that are assumed to be the perpetrators of privilege, um, and I'm putting air quotes, um, and, and, and what I've discovered in Better Man again is the diversity of men, like all the different identities, both visible and invisible, and all the covering behaviors and, and the healing that needs to happen amongst men so that I can be healed and, and, and operate in a more psychologically safe world right. so that I don't have to cover so much because I'm not encountering the, the sort of lack of, of emotional intelligence or self-awareness or breaking out of those patterns, you know, and so putting myself around humans like the two of you, it it gives me these alternate truths that I'm able to live into and imagine, and I hope to see more in the world. So, but Sean, I I wondered if if you wanted to elaborate on that, because I know that you, you know, you, you see it through your own prism and lens, and I think in a really beautiful way. 
elaborating on the fragility of it all. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> it's I, a big topic. <laughs> it is, right? It's, it, and it's not just big, it's also triggering because mm -hmm. for and and for so long and and in so many ways I've I've operated with this uh certain level of fragility, right? Um uh and fear. And, and, and I can relate wholeheartedly to, to you when you speak about um, creating better spaces or, or, or men in better spaces to make it safer for you, right? Because mm -hmm. in some ways, I need the same thing. Yeah, you do. And I need them to understand um, not just the, the human side of it, right? But at the end of the day, that we're all brothers and we may have gotten here and, and differently, but, but we, we are we're still all brothers. Um, the, I think the one other thing that we, we haven't touched on or I haven't touched on is that that privilege piece, right? And, and and how privilege shows up differently depending on what circles you're in. Uh, because in some spaces, uh, they would consider me a privileged trans person, right? I have employment, I have a, a beautiful home and wife and, and, and all of those things. And, and, things that a lot of my trans brothers and sisters aren't afforded um especially the, the black trans women and i think it has more to do with uh misogyny and i'm sure we're not we don't have that's such a big topic and we don't have time to touch on it but I'm, sure, but, <laughs> but I'm sure it has a lot to do with that right in that yeah. how could you have started out as male and walk away from that and the punishment that the world gives anyone who had that privilege and walked away from it. So I think in, 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 in certain ways, we, we should be centering conversations around privilege and how it shows up and how it shows up differently. Um, all of the things that we were talking about today are so are so nuanced and so layered and and they're so we can walk in so many directions but when i when i speak about the fragility of, about um like even in even in movements right now right how fragile my existence is and and let's say uh, the black lives matter movement where i i show up as an ally and i because the first thing you see is that i'm a brother or that i'm black and you show up and you want to be there, but there's still this sense that if they knew who you truly were, you wouldn't be accepted in that space, right? And and just um, how heavy it is to walk and, and knowing that, and knowing that the very folks that I identify uniquely with are the very folks that can cause me harm if they knew who I truly was. Um, so I think when we speak about fragilities, I mean, I, I can just roll off, <laughs> roll on and on with it. Um, and, and, and still, because we can't leave, this is not a Debbie Downer moment, right? Um, and still have the grace to show up and explain and teach and be humble and, and, and be accepting and be patient because we're all works in progress, right? I didn't get here overnight and others won't either. So being willing to, to I don't wanna say put my body on the line because that sounds so dramatic, but in some ways that's what it is uh, and be willing to do that to make sure that these discussions are had, right? And then I, I'll also say, I didn't have anybody to model what, what it was to be a black 
trans man of a certain age, see him of, of a certain age. I'm glad it's a podcast. You can't see all the gray. Um, <laughs> but I didn't have anybody to model that, right? So I think it's important for young black trans men to understand that some of those examples of masculinity you can walk away with, you can walk away from, and, and that I know how fragile you are in this existence and in this body. And I'm telling you that it, it can get better, but it depends on how you, you shape it and, and, and how you um, um, show up. So Sean, uh, just to riff on what you said, um, I think it's fair to say that you and I and many others um, are amidst a rewrite of, <laughs> yeah. uh, of, of healthy masculinity. Yeah. And so instead of walking away, let's just say out with the old and in with the new and that it's an inside job. Um, that's one thing. And with respect to privilege, um, I seek to humanize privilege and to help people understand that it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And that, sure, there's earned privilege, there's unearned privilege, but really what matters most is once you become aware that, or once I become aware that I have an advantage that somebody else doesn't, that's, called, that's a heart moment for me to choose how I'm gonna use my privilege, which as I was listening to you talk, I realized, as you are, as you struggle or you shared and struggled, if they really knew who I was, I'm at a point in my life, hell, in my whiteness, that I know who I am and I'm willing to let you know all of whom I am and I'm willing to deal with all the consequences. Now, several other white guys may not be there, and that's in another example of privilege. I can do that. Yeah. You can't yet, or you could, but the consequences may be too severe. Yeah. That's why we as need each other as brothers and allies. Yeah. And Let me go first, right? And that's truly what allyship is, right? Yes. Allyship makes space. It doesn't lead. It makes space for whatever you need. And I yeah. think folks get that wrong sometimes. They want to be an ally and they want to put these things together for you. And I don't need you to put it together for me. I need you to just lay it out and let me step on it. That, that, that's, that's all I need from you as an ally. Beautiful. Oh, I love this so much. It's so beautiful. Um, thank you, um, especially Sean, talking about being the outsider in a group that you're supposed to be an insider in mm -hmm. and, and never quite feeling like people see you or that it's risky to show all of who you are um, within the context of one of your own identities. Yeah. Um, how long have people been feeling that way about their identities, identity groups? And just because we're in we have a marginalized identity or multiple marginalized identities doesn't mean we're also really enlightened and, and skilled at, I think, everything that we're talking about today. I mean, I've seen in the LGBTQ movement, Sean, that you and I share extremely different paths within that movement. Yeah. And we have so much work to do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so let's stay on the ally question for a moment. And, and I, I'd love to know, is that the only word that is that the word we like? <laughs> I, I always get a very interesting reaction with that word. Um, some people, um, it, it, it can, it, I think it leads to this pride of I'm an ally and I'm sort of done with the work yeah. uh, versus what I always share, which is you're only an ally if someone in an affected group deems you an ally. And it is something that is a journey, not a destination, something that's earned constantly. 
Um, And so I wondered guidance wise, I feel like we're all allies and and really accomplices, which I love that word, especially Mm -hmm. we're in solidarity with each other. And we're sort of utilizing the different parts of our identities to make the world safer for each other. And like you just said, Sean, to, to perhaps lay something down and get out of the way to perhaps, you know, share platform with each other and elevate each other's voices. Um, And so Sean, if, if you could encapsulate what, what, what word do you like? What do you prefer? And, and, and what would you add in terms of your own favorite kind of definition for the way forward for those of us that want to be in support of each other? Um, conspirator. Mm. Right? Be- because we're all up to something. <laughs> 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 and, and I'm hoping it's good trouble. Right? Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it's good trouble. But if, if you're conspiring with me, that means we're in the thick of it and that you're taking the same risk that I'm taking. You understand the struggle. You understand that there could be some damage and we may have to do damage control, but we're knee deep in it together, right? Ally is this buzzword that folks have grabbed onto and won't let go. And I, and I don't completely, I don't completely think they understand what it means, right? Um, well, maybe they do. Right, because maybe it means something different for them than it does for me. I don't, I don't, and this is difficult, but I don't want an ally. I want someone who's going to conspire with me to change systems because we know that that systems need to be changed. I want someone that's going to conspire with me to 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 create um, um, something that folks say can't, can't happen. Right, this 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 human aspect of this this united front when we speak about LGBT communities and Black Lives Matter and all of these other spaces. Um, I want someone that's going to conspire with me when we're looking at political systems that need to to be completely revamped, whether it's criminal justice or racial justice. I want someone who is knee deep in this with me. So that's what I'm actually looking for. And I think that's what we all should be looking for. I think we should take a real hard look, especially if you consider yourself an ally to a certain system or a certain community um what is that what what does it say for you why did you why did you take that that role on um and how can you be a better ally right and i think being a better ally is asking folks well how am i doing and, <laughs> and that could be a difficult conversation just to say i'm sh- I'm, hey i'm trying to show up for you but how am i doing and and, oh, yeah. and and, and being open to hearing exactly what that person feels or that community feels like in your allyship Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you just said, you know, intent versus impact, Sean, yeah. it's, and, and being afraid of the answer, right? So therefore, though, we don't check our impact, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're afraid of having that conversation. But um, you, you just said it, and I want to repeat it. You know, how am I doing? Uh, you know, a phrase another way, here's my intent. And here's the impact that I'm endeavoring to create. Um, how is that landing? Is that having the desired impact? Um, and what would what different behavior or actions on my part would have a, a, a better impact, you yeah. know, according to you, not according to me, because our lens is so limited um, and we can never understand. I, I'm not even sure we can understand that impact. It has to be articulated, I think, from the recipient. Yeah. Um, we can we, but we have to do our own work. And I know we talked about this on the prep call, too. You know, don't come to me expecting me to tell you every step you need to take. Come yeah. to me having done your homework. And, and so I know all of us, like if somebody approaches me, I'll always say, so, so what have you, just so I have some context for your question, mm-hmm. what have you been reading? What have you been studying? Yeah. What is your understanding of this right now? And there, then, Sean, we talked about this, like, then I make a decision. Like, 
is this person, you know, have they worked, done their own work and come to me prepared? Or are they relying on me for the emotional labor, right? And then we decide, you know, how much do I want to give to this conversation or not? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and too often um, with trans folks, they expect us to do all of the emotional labor. Okay. They want us to walk them from A to Z on, on what it's about, what it's like, how it feels, why, like, when a simple Google search would answer some of those questions and then we can kind of really, really dissect what you really want to know and what um, we really should be discussing. But too often they expect us to do all of the emotional labor. And, and, and they also co-opt our, that, that, uh, our intellectual property in some ways, right? Because we package it together nicely. And, and sometimes these are allies, but we package it together nicely and you turn around and it's now become a, a book or a workshop or a training and you've become the expert when it's actually my lived experience. Mm, so much in that. Thank you for pointing that out, Sean. Ray, comments. <laughs> yeah, um, I use a slightly different term. And before I share what that term is, my intended avatar <laughs> is men. And my intention is to get them on the journey to becoming an ally. Mm -hmm. And I have to remember that while I'm a subject matter expert, as the two of you are, most of them aren't. <laughs> so the term I use for myself and them is forever an ally in training. That, that skirts around me trying to say I'm an ally because I'm not, unless someone says I am. So if I name it that I'm an ally in training, that's the first thing. Second thing is, is what I'm really trying to do is to help men consider instead of waiting for your behavior to have a spotlight put on it, like your language or behavior, what you did or didn't do, said or didn't said, why not be evolved and put yourself on the journey and make a commitment. I have something called the better man pledge, if you will, um, that has men and Jennifer, you and Sean, you know these four steps, but acknowledge that I have bias and privilege. Included in there is an understanding of man box rules and behaviors. Mm -hmm. Two, take responsibility for the impact of my bias and privilege. And when necessary, clean it up. That's the intent versus impact thing. Three, listen with empathy and compassion. And four, commit to new behaviors and actions. So if they do all of that, they will eventually, per your allies continuum, uh, go from unaware to aware to action to being an advocate. So the one of the words I do like a lot is advocate. But you have to do all these steps in order to get there. Yeah. Those are my comments. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. And we need and we need um, generous, patient, gracious teachers, space holders, facilitators, like the two of you to construct, you know, build that container and hold the space yeah. and, um, and not be, and not be triggered as much as possible as we're, we're doing that. Right. Which is, I think, I, I think of it as it stretches me every day to hear the, the stupid questions you talked about, Sean, like the, you know, and some of those are, are questions that, make me remind me of the marginalization remind me of the the journey right and and sort of i don't know almost like re re-stigmatize or traumatize us all over again and yet we and yet remaining in in that conversation is the greatest act of love that we can give anyone it's it's to me it's sort of this profound 
um, test over and over that we undertake to stay with people as they move through the journey. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it is the most sort of ultimately, I think, generous act, um, the opposite of which is sort of, I can't stand it. It's, you know, it's, it's rude. It's harmful. I don't want any part of it. But I, I do believe learning occurs in community. It occurs between us. And it's so lovely to, you know, have, have time with both of you in these ways and in these spaces to like literally come together and, and conspire and conspire together about like, you know, if people need help over the humps of identity and over their biases, the fact that we do, we're, we do this with love um, and graciousness and, and forbearance and understanding where works in progress. And so how could we possibly stand in judgment of the process that others need to take? Because we're all taking the steps too. So I love it. I, I fear we're out of time, but I want to give both of you a chance to, you know, share any final thoughts and also to direct our audience to where they can follow you and get involved and, and have hopefully your voice in their ears and your, your books and thought leadership on their shelves. <laughs> um, final thought. Um, this was amazing. Um, I, I just want to say to Ray, uh, every opportunity I get to um, share space with you, I appreciate because you always make me think right as I, as I said earlier I'm still defining my masculinity so you give me an opportunity to like really test some of those theories out so I appreciate you so much brother and I appreciate you in, including me in the better man um, movement because it gives folks an opportunity to hear from a black trans man from, from New York City uh, uh, who, who you know didn't come from much but was able to accomplish a lot um, you can find me on social media, Sean E. Coleman, uh, across all platforms. Um, uh, I am considering another another job, probably by the time this airs, you'll all hear about it. But I am considering a run for office in uh, New York City Council. Oh, how exciting. Uh, if, if, if all goes well, I'll be announcing next week. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And I do all of these things. And again, I, I again, scared to death and putting myself in um, another position that could be incredibly dangerous <laughs> but 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 i have to because i need my community to understand what's possible and and that if you can dream it you can be it uh, and and that there's there's no there's no end to to what you can accomplish no one it's going to give you anything but as long as you you believe it and you work for it you can accomplish it um and then just around pride um i think my proudest moment is the fact that I can stand in my truth in any space that I'm in now with without fear of judgment or ridicule that my proudest moment comes be, at the fact that I, I stand in who I am and and it's accepted and if it wasn't I'd be fine with that too. Oh, that's gorgeous and so loving of you Sean and we're so excited for your run by the time this airs you will be in the thick of it. I'd be in the so, thick of you know, it. <laughs> and we conspirators will be lining up around you, you know, and uh, doing whatever you deem necessary and checking in on our, our impact to make sure that it is um, serving you in your endeavors. Um, so thank you for what all that you do. Thank you. Uh, and Ray, final thoughts and where folks can find more information about you. So the word partner comes up um, in a lot of work I do. I talk about what it means and what you need to be an ally and inclusive leader, which is a conscious partnership of the head and the heart. And so Sean, when you, you blessed me by saying every time we're together, you, it makes you think 
right back at you. Every time I'm with you, it makes me feel. So, <laughs> and the same is true for you, Jennifer. Uh, both arise in me when, when, I'm, I'm with it, uh, when I'm with you, I always learn. And so I just want to acknowledge both of you um, because that's what partnership is all about. Yeah. None of this work can be done alone. So why don't we partner, right? So, so that's one thing. Uh, you can find me slash the Better Man Movement team on the Better Man Conference website. Um, and at, no matter what page you're on, if you scroll to the bottom, you can sign up for our newsletter and you'll get a chance to see the blogs that are coming out regularly. There's always cutting edge stuff. Um, we'll be doing quarterly calls. That's how you'll find out. Or actually, it might be actually a community call once a month. Um, and uh, the conferences, the virtual conferences that we're going to be doing uh, throughout the year. And um, by mid-March, uh, I'm going to finish my uh, my next book that's going to serve and answer the questions that men are sitting in. What do I do? What do I say? What do I not do? What do I not say? What companies are saying? How do I support the men? And what people who don't identify as such, how can we support? and be supported. So I'm really excited and you'll be able to find out more about that later. But for me, at, right after this call, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have to get back to the drawing board. It's been a great Ooh. pleasure. I just want to acknowledge Ben too uh, for having all of us here. So thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thank you to Ben and the forum. Thank you, Ben. Thank you to the forum audience and all of you listeners. I hope this was really enlightening and um, you take this co-conspirator role to heart. Um, and we all sort of join and, and create a more equitable world um, and use our voices and step forward with courage because we need to be seen by so many. Uh, so thank you, everybody. Thank you so much to all three of you for sitting down for that wonderful fireside chat. Thank you to our listeners for joining us and a special thank you to our sponsor, Best Buy. You can learn more about Jennifer, Sean, and Ray and their work by visiting their websites, jenniferbrownconsulting.com, destinationtomorrow.org, and bettermanconference.com. New episodes of the Forum Podcast are available at forumworkplaceinclusion.org, Ford Class Podcast. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. And Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the liberal arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.